right, welcome to Dog People, broadcasting live from downtown Los Angeles, California. Live! And, uh... <laughs> all right, broadcasting tape delayed <laughs> from L.A., San Jose, Nagoya, and also L.A. with our guest this week, Jeff Rosenstock. Say what up, Jeff. Hey! I didn't introduce the co-hosts or myself. I'm Bob. We got Mike in the house. What's up, Mike? What up? What's up, Adam? Yo, yo, yo. Three episodes in, and... I'm definitely doing a much better job than usual introducing the show. Today we're going to talk about the song, I Don't Want to Die. First came out in 2007 with the B-side. The B-side is Tohoku Shinkansen wa Chihiro-chan wo nosete. Thank you, Adam, because honestly I didn't remember what that song was called. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was a single that came out in 2007, two years after the first two Ginan Boys albums came out. And um, I kind of consider it... The last song of the early Ginan Boys days. Damn. We'll get into it and we'll kind of see how they later transitioned to the different band they became by their two new albums in 2014. But um, first, we're going to just catch up with our, our friend Jeff here a little bit. Jeff, you've been working on anything cool recently? No. I, uh, <laughs> I had like uh, the first kind of stretch of time off that I've had from Craig of the Creek or like from anything basically because I had a stretch of time off and we recorded No Dream or I had a stretch of time off we moved out here or I had a stretch of time off we toured but we're supposed to be on tour right now we're not so I had like a week off for the first time in a while I read a bunch of a book um, I'm reading IQ 1Q84 by Murakami it's like 8 million pages I want to torture myself with a big old book. Uh, it's pretty good. I'm pretty deep in. That's what I've been working on. Hey, the second episode we've mentioned Murakami though, so nice fits in. Speaking of that book, so I'm sure that you're already at the point where the assassin has escaped from the taxi on the freeway and gone down the emergency exit. Yes. So here in Japan, like every freeway has that same look to it, and it. I always wondered why those doors are there. And so every time I drive past those exits, I think, I wonder if I went through that, if I would end up in another dimension. Yeah, that's, man. Uh, I wonder just like, and is that it? Was Murakami just driving in a car and looked at one of those was like, hey, I got an idea for a 1300 page book. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe. I've never seen anybody use them. So uh, yeah, they're all locked up anyway. So yeah. Adam, you could answer this weird question with a with with a book called like that IQ eight four. What's what do Japanese people call it? How do they read that? So Q is the way that you say nine in Japanese. So it's actually just Ichi Q Hachi Yon. So it's nineteen eighty four, which is what they call the Orwell book nineteen eighty four. So it is essentially pronounced exactly the same as the Orwell book, but it's spelled differently with mm. a Q. Cool. So you're saying Murakami is a straight up biter. Yeah, he's a biter for real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has a new book that just came out here in Japan, and I'm tempted to try to read it in Japanese, but everybody that I've talked to here who have read his books, they can't really understand it, even though they're native speakers. What? I don't know if it has to do with the way he writes. Damn. You know? But then something when it gets translated into English makes uh Nerds like me go, ooh. Yeah, I think maybe there's something to it. Like he's 
you know, maybe he thinks about stories in English because he reads so many books in English and he's influenced a lot by, uh, you know, English and American literature. Maybe he thinks about it in English and then he kind of writes it in Japanese. So it comes off all stilted. I'm not sure. That's just my speculation. He does. He's talked about Raymond Carver a few times as an influence. And, um, and I think he was the first publication that ever published him in English was the San Francisco uh, magazine called uh, Ziziva. But um, Carver was published in that as well. And I wonder if he's just kind of going for a, a really distinctly kind of, uh, yeah, American voice kind of. Um, yeah, perhaps. The writing style. Maybe. I had a, I had a, a professor in Japanese studies at San Jose State who was friends with Murakami. And she uh, occasionally have an anecdote or two about hanging out with him through their scholastic friends and such. But she also sounded like Fran Drescher. <laughs> <laughs> My people. She spoke Japanese so flawlessly, but her accent was like pure Long Island still, even in Japanese. Watashi <laughs> wow. And just like. That's tight. Real harsh. But she was tight. She was cool. Don't hate, Bob. <laughs> Dude, I don't want to get this too much on a wild tangent. I was just watching UHF. Yeah. Speaking of Fran Drescher. You remember that old uh, Weird Al Yankovic joint? UHF is great. <laughs> Dude, speaking of which, somebody apparently made a AI that parodies songs, and it's called Weird AI. And written, it looks just like Weird Al. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that fits in with the IQ84 1984, so we're, we're, yeah. we're bringing it all back together. I feel like this is just stream of consciousness. I'm just saying whatever comes up into my mind after I'm reminded by something by you guys. <laughs> That's what a podcast is pretty much, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's the format. Like, it's just, it doesn't have to be about anything, but as long as you keep talking. <laughs> the producers need us to get an even hour and a half or else uh, the bills won't get paid, so. <laughs> um, well, yeah, let's get to the song, I Don't Want to Die. The reason we have Jeff on today is uh, Jeff covered the song on his I Look Like Shit mixtape. Jesus! Yes! 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 How'd you first hear the song? So that was that was recorded like right around when Bond the Music Industry, my old band, broke up. And Matt Keegan, uh, who I you all know, Adam, I'm guessing you know Keegan, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, of course, your friends never mind. Uh, but uh, yeah, Keegan was kind of played a lot of that stuff in the van, which is kind of my introduction to a lot of it. And uh, that song in particular, he was like, I think. You would like this song because the core because it's all in Japanese except the words "I don't want to die" and then the chorus is just "Yes, yes, yes." <laughs> but he was just like, it just has a really good chanted chorus. Get ready for it, uh, and I really, really liked it. Uh, and I guess I, I, I'm trying. I just try to remember today why I covered it. I think it might have just been a moment of like, that was when I was like at peak liking that song. Just be like, wouldn't this be fucking sick? Uh, <laughs> and that that was that, you know. I do like that it's like kind of remained a signature cover that you bust out pretty often. Yeah, kids, uh, the kids, uh, not kids, but like, you know, the kids <laughs> love it. They always ask for it. I'm always surprised because none of us really know how to play it. My Japanese is not good, or uh, my memory is more not good. I could do the pronunciation, but like, I gotta be reading it. Um, so I'm usually just mumbling through except like the few words I know. And I feel, I honestly feel like I'm a piece of shit. I need to learn these songs. I'm just like <laughs> singing fucking gibberish, but also that's kind of funny to me. So I don't know. 
Jeff, do you actually speak any Japanese? No, uh, I could say here's uh, Kevin taught me how to say this. Uh, uh, okay, say I could react to you. So say something to me in Japanese. Jeff, genki desu ka? Honto? Mihango zenzen wakarimazen. So I, he told me that means, I think I asked, does that mean, is this accurate? It means, really? I don't speak any Japanese. That's pretty yeah. much exactly what you said. Yeah. Cool. Oh, That's what I wanted to learn how to say when I was out there. I like the bait and switch, though. The first, uh, huh? Really? Never mind. I actually don't speak Japanese. Yeah, at all. I don't speak any Japanese. <laughs> well, that, this seems like a good place to get into the lyrics of the song. Um, the first version of I Don't Want to Die that came out was kind of a kind of like a new wave dancey punk song. It kind of had a sugary sweet like mood to the ly- to the music that matched the lyrics and the lyrics are very lovey-dovey in kind of a subversive way. The first verse is about uh all the things that Mineta the singer wants to do with pure and sweet you, pure and sweet the object of his affection. <laughs> He wants to make you feel good. He wants to get sloppy with you. He wants to mess you up. Mess you up kind of like, like, let's get, let's get messy. Um, And he ends the verse, pure and sweet you are a sorceress. And, uh. Has the chorus, I don't want to die. The second verse is all the things that Mineta wants to do, not do to, but do with pure and sweet you. So he talks about, I want to eat almond tofu with pure and sweet you. I want to listen to Weezer with pure and sweet you. I want to throw ninja stars with pure and sweet you, which sounds super fun. Yeah. We throw knives in my yard sometimes into a wall and throwing knives is tight, but I bet ninja stars would be even tighter. <laughs> yeah. Do you have throwing knives? Uh. Katie and Nelson, Jeff knows my friends Katie and Nelson, they bring throwing knives over sometimes and we throw them in the yard. <laughs> that sounds like some shit. That... <laughs> uh, there's a place that we, whenever we play Reno, there's a coffee shop we go to and next to it, there's a store that sells fucking throwing stars. So <laughs> if ever again we could travel when we're in Reno, I'll get you some throwing stars, Bob. I'm surprised you didn't pick any up already. We're, what am I going to do? Drive around the country with a bunch of other fucking throwing stars in my band? In my van? You know? Yes, yes. That is what I'm suggesting. We're not trying to, we're not trying to get in trouble. We're trying to just get left alone. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, that's basically the, the mood of the song is, you know, all the things that Mineta wants to do with his dream girl, his dream person. And... Uh, at the end of the second verse, he talks about pure and sweet you hail from a lineage of sorcerers or like from a bloodline of <laughs> magic users. Magic the Gathering players, right? Wizards of the coast, you mean, right? <laughs> a lineage of wizards from the coast, yes. It's, it's kind of just a silly song. Don't cast a love spell on me. You know, don't stick a love, love sticker on me. And uh, the, the chorus talks about, you know, I don't want to die and then also... He says in Jap- Japanese a lot, dakishimetai, which is like, I want to hold you. I want to hold you. I want to hold you until you break. Or like, I want to ho- squeeze you so tight until you break. Yes, 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 yes. 
This song was eventually re-released in 2014 on the band's Hikari no Nakani Patete album. Uh, the song was completely reimagined. Uh, no longer a dance punk song. It became kind of a Eurobeat, dance dance revolution type of song. <laughs> I actually think the song is let it, they lead into the song super well with the Aishteru te yutene song right before it, which is kind of this like techno J pop anthem. I've recently been revisiting the new recordings, the new album, and just thinking like, I like this way better than I thought I did you know, when they came out six years ago. Do you find going back to it? Because when I heard it, all I could think, and I'm not trying to talk smack, uh, but like, I was just like, this sounds, this is unlistenable sound wise. Like the levels are all fucked up. Like what I liked about this band is that everything was like in your face and in the front, and this sounded like you couldn't hear anything on that record. Does it still sound like that, or have you like adjusted since like all pop music sounds like it's underwater now, so it doesn't fucking matter <laughs> anyway? I think Mike at one point described it as uh, more so than even before. It sounds like Mineta singing karaoke over the rest of the band, over the rest of the music. Yeah, I that's something I feel like uh pretty distinctly like i think on that album in particular like the like on um both kimito bokano and and door like the everything is really uh compressed and loud and it's hard to distinguish exactly what's happening because it's also like everything at once but on that record in particular mineta's vocals like sit on top in a way <laughs> that feels yeah. like distanced uh feels like uh like almost arti- like pointedly artificial in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you press the karaoke button on the fucking boombox and just like sang into it. Totally. That's kind of the vibe that I get from that record. Mm. Yeah. And in a way, I mean, a lot of the songs are like he's revisiting his own work in a way. And so that that kind of like karaoke kind of aspect, I always felt like there was something to it there. I do think it sounds kind of in retrospect, it looks it seems a lot more forward thinking like. You listen to a, a, a band that's making waves now, like 100 Gex or something, and that shit sounds <laughs> yeah. so deranged, so demented, and I was like, oh, the Guinan boys were like ahead of the game. They were like making really bugged out pop music five, six years ago before before it became the style a la mode as it is now. Yeah, but 100 Gex got a bunch of top end to it. I feel like my problem with that Guinan boys record is that it's like no no highs. There's no like... Or something that's that bites at you, and I feel like Hundred Gex is like I'll bite, you know. They definitely compressed it to death. I I think that's uh, my one major drawback on some of the Guinan Boys music. It's like. Just too compressed. You can be demented without <laughs> without crushing all the uh, dynamics out of your music. I feel like uh, J-Punk uses so much fucking compression, like, all over. Like, I don't know. I kind of, but I'm into it. It feels like it's otherworldly to me. Uh, and also <laughs> that they just went so hard on it. Like, I like it when, I like when the instrument's just a fucking straight line. It's just like, all right, let's go. I don't know why, but I like that. I, I was re-listening to, to uh, Beach today, the other record that came out at the same time. And that record's that- crazy. I totally feel like you're right about like the a lot of the hundred Gex stuff, like the way that they're like uh or Jex, is that how people say hundred Jex? 
I've heard someone say that. I don't know if that's... It's like GIF and GIF. I think people yeah. only type it. Yeah. Um, but, like, there's, yeah, that, like, pointed, like, manipulation of the music to, to like, scramble it and make it sound fucked up, basically. And, like, um, that's all over Beach, like, a few years before uh, 100 Gex. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of something that I've seen in the visual art community as well, where people will use like digital artifacts or like pixelation and things like that to sort of trash photos and yeah. create that kind of aesthetic. And I I sort of hear that in these later albums, especially Beach, you know. Yeah, that's called something. When you go into the text file of the JPEG and you fucking move some shit around and open it back up again in Photoshop and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, doesn't really work that great, though. I, I tried to do it and then just faked it instead because I was like, I'm tired of <laughs> typing in all sorts of letters and numbers. Let's just get something that I could, I don't know, it's not working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to the new version of I Don't Want to Die. Uh, on top of the recording, just, you know, really uh, taking the sound in a crazy new direction. They also really changed the feel of the song by completely changing the lyrics in the second verse. <laughs> And instead of uh, talking about all the things that that Mineta wants to do with pure and sweet you, the second verse is now all about how he is my subhuman such and such. So it's uh, my subhuman life has no value. My subhuman heartbeat has no right to be. And subhuman I want to become human. And uh, suddenly it... it uh, it takes away some of that innocent, lovey-dovey character of the song and just makes it sound really pathetic, really, really desperate, uh, which is something I think we're talking about a lot in just in the, the arc of their lyrics and in their presentation is how things get, things get a lot more sinister later on. And the one other thing real quick is uh, he still has the line about how I want to hold you until you break. I want to squeeze you until you break. But he also changes one of the dakishimetais into a... Another Japanese phrase, kubishimetai, which is, I want to strangle you. So it's, I want to hold you, I want to strangle you, I want to hold you until you break. And it's, it's, uh, it's pretty fucking dark. Pretty fucking dark. <laughs> yeah, so that line about strangling her, he has mentioned strangling in some of the other songs. For example, in the song Hikari, which... The first recording of that, I interpreted it to be him singing to somebody who had already died because he said, leave me behind, you go on into the light, I wonder if I'll ever get to be where you are. And then later in the song, he says, I was choking you. And it's in the kind of past progressive tense, right? I was strangling you. I was choking you, which I initially interpreted him to mean, you know, I'm glad that you left me behind because I was just holding you down. I was sucking the life out of you. That's what I thought it was. But when he gets into this album, the one that we're talking about here, it's more about strangling in the present tense. And it's a lot darker. You know, it's him saying, I want to strangle you. So it takes on a different meaning. You know, it's almost like asserting his ownership over her, you know, um, the way a serial killer might. You know, you're mine and I'm going to assert my ownership over you and I'll kill you to keep you for myself kind of thing. 
Hmm. Yeah, the uh, the Dakishi Metai, you know, Kawaii do Hodo, I want to hold you until you break, kind of hinted at that a little bit, but it still kind of sounded cute. Like, you can kind of imagine, like, a cartoon getting hugged and their eyeballs bugging out, but it's not really harmful. <laughs> Elmira style. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, I want to strangle you. There's really nothing so... Uh, <laughs> There's no good to take from that. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, yeah so in the first version... It's not only like, I want to hold you until you break, but he says, I want to kiss you until you're just bones, you know? And <laughs> Well, that's just not going to work. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't sound violent or anything. It seems the way that you might hear like an ant say like, you know, oh, I could just eat you up, you know? <laughs> it's not mm. like yeah, dark or anything. Little bit of a like uh, separate thing about the lyrics, but you know, this is something I wanted to point out that Mineta does kind of often where he'll start every line for for a verse, he'll start every line with the same same thing. Like, um, uh, in both versions of I Don't Want to Die, he does that, and in uh, Nippon Hakyo from uh, uh, Door, the first verse, every verse starts with a she. For a death, it all starts with every single line begins that way. And it seems like a kind of like a lyrical technique he he uh, uses a couple of times and kind of effectively because he always ends up kind of presenting something one way and then like this kind of like twisting it just a little so that it it sounds a little more perverted the second time or a little more like um, like there's a vague threat underneath it. uh, What sounds like a normal thing at first. He's I feel like. For as uh, creepy as Mineta gets, uh, his actual lyricism, like his lyric writing, is is pretty, like uh, playful and pretty uh, creative. Um, and he has these little techniques, like that that repetition uh, at the beginning of each line that that he uses a couple times here and there. It's definitely a really just genius thing to do in a pop song too. It's like. People are going to remember the lyrics because they all start the same way, so it's easy to sing along. Right. It has a chant-like kind of element to it. And it's also like, I feel like, yeah, yeah that turns your verse into a chorus. Yeah. The entire song is eminently uh, sing-alongable. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. That shit's cool. One thing that I'd like to say while we're still on the topic of the lyrics, um, one thing that I really like in the first version they just sort of casually say, Jesus, you know, before the chorus. And then they say, yes, yes, yes. But in this version, they have that bridge where they're all just like, Jesus Christ. You yeah. Know? yeah that's right. It's like a, like a call and response. I think it's just like so good. Yeah. Part of me is really curious. Where did they hear some 50-year-old American like, ah, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, where did they hear someone saying that, that they wanted to like insert that into a song? I feel like it takes all of my effort when something goes wrong and I'm in public to not go, Jesus fucking Christ, like in front of everybody <laughs> around me. So I don't know. Me? Yeah, I'm similar. That's one of my go-to words when I'm frustrated <laughs> or exasperated, I should say. Yeah. This song came out in summer 2007, so part of me wonders if they heard it when they were out here the year before and they they were like, Norm MacDonald, Dirty Work style, note to self, I should put this in a song. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's weird because they definitely, it's not like a thing here at all, first of all. Taking the Lord's name in vain, as you might say, is not a thing 
in Japanese language whatsoever. But also, even if it were, they're not Christian. And even if they were Christian, that's not how you pronounce Jesus in Japanese. It's pronounced like Latin, like Yesu Kiristo. So everything about it is just, you know, they're obviously copying it from a movie or something. I do think that words like that, you know, so like, fuck you, Jesus Christ, shit. Everybody here has like a conscious awareness of those words, you know, because of how much media they consume. But I don't know if they think of Jesus Christ as a swear word, per se. It definitely just works as a as a really funny exclamation. After hearing all those super, super downer lyrics in the second version, you still can't help but laugh at them screaming Jesus Christ for that whole breakdown. <laughs> yeah, it's so good because in the first one, I honestly wasn't quite sure if I heard them correctly. They're like, Jesus. And I was like, maybe they said some Japanese word that just sort of sounds like Jesus Christ. But in the second one, it's very clear, like you can't mistake Jesus it. Jesus you know? Christ! <laughs> <laughs> we got into it in the uh, episode about the literary references, but Jeff didn't hear that, so... The original version of the song, before they replaced it with just screaming Jesus Christ, they they chant O Pekepe, O Pekepe, Pistolent Stamen, O Pekepe. And uh, that O Pekepe is a reference to the first ever recorded Japanese song in 1900. I think one really cool thing that people are going to get to hear about in this episode is how both Adam and Mike were there when the I Don't Want to Die video was recorded. And Adam makes an appearance in the video. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And just to give people a little bit of an idea about the video, the video is like 14 minutes long. It's it's longer than even the school kill video that we talked about before. And But it starts with the same POV of Mirai walking through the neighborhood and some thugs chase him and he finds refuge in an internet cafe where the whole story unfolds. But I'd love to hear you guys uh, tell us more about it. So basically, me and uh, my partner Angelina had gone to visit Adam in Japan and um, gone had been planning on hoping to meet up to with uh, the Kenan boys as well and uh, spent a few days in Nagoya. I remember uh, going to the mall in Nagoya and seeing the uh, weird pet store for sure, like uh, seeing a pet store where you could buy bats and like... Uh, couple other exotic pets for sure um meerkats but then uh, a few days later yeah we took the shinkansen to um to tokyo and uh i think that day we had gone to have lunch with them at this uh uh tempera place in the in the uh, what's that big mall called i always forget the name of it i think it was nakano broadway mall nakano broadway yeah 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 exactly were you with us then adam i couldn't remember well, I was trying to put this memory together, too, because I remember a few times being there in Tokyo with them, and they both involve Angelina, so I wasn't sure which one it was, but I definitely remember we were doing something with them in the daytime. I don't remember the circumstances. We were eating lunch or something. And that's when Murai came over to me, and he was kind of coy about it, and he said, would you do us a favor, and would you be in our PV, which is what they call music videos here, promotional videos? And I was like, oh, sure. So I think that night they had rented out a big manga cafe, like a 24-hour manga cafe. And they were going to shoot the whole video in one night there. So we went at nighttime to meet back up with them. 
and that was also in Nakano Broadway. I yeah, it think. was right around there. I think I remember it being very close by. We did we didn't really go very far because I think we just walked there. Yeah, so Mineta lives in that neighborhood, or I mean, he did at the time. So not far from where the video shoot was. So they just rented it out for the night, and then they didn't tell us anything about what was going on. So they just said, "Yeah, sit tight. You know, we'll call you when." it's time for you to show up. So we sat there for a long time, you know, several hours, I think, sitting yeah. outside. Basically Mike just was drinking chew high on the, on the uh, steps out front. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And Mike was running and grabbing manga and bringing it out, but he couldn't read it. So he was asking them, you know, what's this about? And I remember he picked up Manga Taro, which is this disgusting, you know, he draws <laughs> like the ugliest things about, you know, wrinkly old people having sex or diarrhea and yeah, that fool's tight. Like that. And yeah, you were just like cracking up, you know, as the guys were like translating and explaining to you what's going on in this story. <laughs> and so for the most part, you know, the majority of that night, we just sat out there on the steps, you know, when they weren't filming, they would come and talk to us and stuff. So we didn't even know what the story was about. We didn't know what was going on inside. And then they came out to me and said, all right, it's time for you to make your appearance. And they gave me what I was supposed to wear. And it was like these little leather booty shorts and some big <laughs> chains, like dog chains around my neck. And then like a biker hat kind of thing, sort of like Freddie Mercury kind of thing. I don't know. Leather daddy kind of look? Yeah, it was like a leather daddy outfit for sure. Yeah, your Judas Priest look? They described it like that Japanese wrestler, hard gay, Razor Ramon. Yeah. Yeah. So so it was me and Kimoto-san, their manager, who's also a big, you know, he's probably the same height as me, sort of a broad-shouldered guy. The two of us wear these kind of leather daddy outfits. And then that was when we figured out what was going on is that inside there was essentially these people were all, you know, going buck wild from hearing that song. And by the time we walk in, all these dudes are in this mob having this sort of circle jerk orgy kind of thing, you know, covered in like lotion. And <laughs> so me and Kimoto walk in and we see that and our eyes just cross because we're so hyped up about this pile of dudes. <laughs> and that's perfect for the video. Yeah. Eyes are crossing all over the video. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the ahegao. I think that's like a thing in porn now, apparently, where girls Ooh. cross their eyes, you know. <laughs> So, yeah, me and Kimoto jump in on this pile of dudes and just start, you know, kissing and licking flesh. And It's true. It was uh, quite amazing to look in through the glass and uh, see that as it was happening as well. It was, uh, it was, you know, seeing you go in for your part and not knowing what it was going to be and then seeing you come out uh, in uh, in... Not exactly full regalia, because you're basically not really wearing anything. Yeah. But, um, but uh, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> well, It was not what I expected out of the trip, but I liked it. Who had to clean up all the lube off of the, the manga cafe floors afterward? <laughs> I have no idea. I don't even know how you'd go about doing that, because they must have used gallons of the stuff. <laughs> I mean, they were essentially going around squirting people with, like, a super soaker full of lotion. There was something to do with, a like, a fish in a fish bowl as well in it, right? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, there's a fish, like, the, the fishbowl is kind of shaking with all the action that from everyone getting stirred up. It's, it's like a shot they cut to periodically in the in the video. Okay. I was trying to remember what the significance of it was. I just had that visual. 
That's a throwback, Mike, to that classic old anime, Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> so so if, if people haven't seen the video, and I highly recommend you watch the video, uh, even if you have to pause this podcast, uh, watch the video, take 15 minutes to do it. <laughs> but the basic, the basic premise is, you know, Mirai goes into this internet cafe and he queues up the 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 video for I don't want to die on his computer and he thinks he's going to listen to it on his headphones but m- you know m- mysteriously his headphones get unplugged and everyone in the internet cafe hears the song and just like loses their mind and they just have a, a, a just a wild nerd orgy in the in the internet cafe and Mineta's the only one with his headphones on listening to his own music who's protected from it and he kind of has to escape from them like zombie movie style as he's being chased and uh there was a little a little detail that I never quite paid attention to until recently where as Mariah's queuing up the songs on the computer, there's like five or six other artists listed on the computer for him to choose with I Don't Want to Die being one of the options. And I finally went through and read what the titles were and all the band names, and it's really funny. The first band name is uh, Binkan Shonentai, which is Mineta and Chin's side project. And the song they're they're listed as having is Kimi Gayo, which is the Japanese national anthem. <laughs> really stupid. The uh, great song to listen to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great cover song. <laughs> which is like considered like the darkest sounding national anthem in the world, right? <laughs> um, the second band listed is The Shits, and the song in Japanese is called Nishiguchi Koshu Benjo no Kai which is the mystery of the West Exit public bathroom. I don't even know where you get a title like that. Um, <laughs> one of the other song titles is a group called ANA, like the airline company maybe. And the song is called Ijimete, My Darling, which is like bully me, my darling, or like ridicule me, my darling. <laughs> and these aren't real songs as far as you know, right? Yeah, these are all joke titles, I'm pretty sure. Okay. And then the last, the last one is a group called The Neats. What does NEAT stand for in Japanese, Adam? I, I can't remember the, the exact term. I think it stands for no education and training. Yeah, so NEATs are people who like don't work, don't do anything, and they're just living at their parents' house when they're 35. Hell yeah. And that song, the song by the NEATs is called Hataraitara Owarida, which is like, work will be my end, or work will be the death of me, kind of. <laughs> yeah, if I ever work, that'll be the end of me. <laughs> just, just this, this is just like a dumb Easter egg that I, I'm, I'm really glad I finally took the time to kind of read into. You got to appreciate that they went through the trouble to make that funny. You know what I mean? That they didn't just put a real iTunes in there or something, you know? Yeah. And even the the, the I Don't Want to Die video, the rest of the songs have like three, four stars. And the I Don't Want to Die video has one star. And for some reason, uh, Mariah still cho- chooses that one. Maybe it thinks the system's reversed. <laughs> it's like a golf. Trying to yeah. have a low. Yeah. Ooh. Stars are demerits. Bob. The A and one. I wonder if that's actually supposed to be pronounced Anna, because Ijiru doesn't only mean to bully; it also means to like finger or to mess with something. <laughs> so it could be like you know, finger my butthole. Damn. Anna being the word for hole in Japanese. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't put that past them <laughs> to have that be the title. I think while we're talking about the titles, the title of this is actually really brilliant because it's not literally "I don't want to die." I mean, it is, but it's not written in katakana, which is the writing system that is used for foreign words. It's written in hiragana, which is the one that they use for like grammar participles and things like that. 
it's what they put on the roots of words to show tense and mood and stuff. So to write it out phonetically in this alphabet is something you'd never do in Japanese. So it doesn't mean anything, but they're writing I don't want to die, you know, phonetically in this writing system made for grammar particles and stuff like that. So it's weird, but it's also an anagram of what they say later in the song, which is I wa donandai, which means what is love like? So they just rearrange the sounds of what is love like to make it sound like I don't want to die. It's pretty brilliant, actually. That's cool. Was this you know. a popular song in Japan? Um, I don't know how to answer that exactly because they, as a band, are really popular within a very particular group of people, but they're not like a household name. What group of people is that? I think just people who, you know, are into like, you know, indie punk rock and stuff like that. I think it'd be the same kind of people who would know, you know, Shinobu, Bomb the Music Industry, you know, um, people who know the kind of music that we listen to or make, you know, they'd be listening to their music here. Matt Keegan implied to me that they were a band that was like as big as Green Day in Japan. Is that accurate or inaccurate? I think they'd be a step down, but... I think they're about as big as an indie band can get in Japan. So are they like as big as High Standard? High Standard is maybe the biggest Japanese punk band ever. I think Ginan Boys is like just one half tier below that. Like, yeah. Like they haven't crossed over fully into the mainstream, but they're very big. It's like a full-time job. The singer, the singer crossed over and he's a movie and TV star, albeit a minor one. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, everybody knows him now. From TV and stuff. They're kind of like a Paramore level band. Hmm. Some normies would know them, but definitely all the underground people know them. Definitely writing that line. Yeah. I think Paramore is huge. Paramore might be a fucking ginormous band over here. We just we just don't care about them. But does Paramore <laughs> get played on the radio and shit? I don't know. Yes. I think they do. Yeah, I think they yeah. have a couple of like radio hits. I was trying to crush, think of yeah, who's the crush, biggest like crush. <laughs> Who do you think would be like the biggest indie band to to be comparable? Like a band, I was trying to think like maybe like Bad Religion, like a band that never. Well, Bad Religion. It's interesting to hear you call Paramore and Bad Religion indie bands. I'm thinking like Death Cab and shit like that. Yeah, but Death Cab had hits as well. Death Cab's kind of comparable though, in the sense that like, uh, you know, Guinan Boys had songs that would end up in TV or movies, but. They aren't a household name by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Word. I think this song for sure charted, even if it wasn't a chart topper. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it opened in like the top 10 or something. I guess my, my point being is like it's it's wild to me that like a song can fuck with language like that uh, and still like people are like, okay, like more than five people are like, okay. I like this song. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's cool. You know what I think? Maybe they're like Green Day just before Dookie. That's probably what they're like. Or like right at Dookie. Like They're like Rancid? I think that's a good comparison. Yeah, yeah. They would love that comparison. Rancid never... I guess Time Bomb was a pretty big hit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Rancid had like a, a moment. Are they no effects? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Maybe kind of no effects because, um, you know, like... Our moms wouldn't know them, but like your cousins would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
True. That's a weird way to say it, but <laughs> no, that's the that's a perfect way to put it. That's exactly right. <laughs> like our shitheads cousins wouldn't know it, but you know our cool cousins would. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. Our shithead cousins might know no effects still. Yeah. <laughs> um. Do you guys have any other memories of just being around the video shoot? Did you get to see any of the other wild action going down or anything? My memory of it was being there until something like seven in the morning. I think we were there. The sun was full on up by the time we left. Um, But because we weren't actually participating a whole lot, once Adam went in, we were just kind of like looking through the glass and um, sipping our refreshing beverages. Um, I think I I lost uh, the script a little bit by seven in the morning. You, You were just standing there staring in a window till seven in the morning. Pretty so it was like on a uh, stairwell. There was a stairwell, and then there was like a wall of windows. So we had a pretty good view in, and we had like a kind of a comfy seat, and we had a bag full of chew high. So we were we were chilling. Cool. On a scale of one to ten, how many fadeds would you say you were? <laughs> fadeds. Uh, I'd give this a solid. I'd give it a solid seven fadeds, probably. Yeah, you could have been more <laughs> faded, honestly. That's not that much. Out of out of 30. Ah! <laughs> wow, faded go up to 30? Yeah. It's a very uh, pointed 30-point system that I have uh, for fadeds. Is it all, is it like one is the worst and 30 is the best, or are there some diversions along the way? It's a wild ride. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. <laughs> 30 is like you need a toxicology report to check if he died of natural causes or just <laughs> drank himself to death. Yeah. Ten's the best, and then it just declines. <laughs> Adam, I have a question for you. Has anyone right. you know ever brought up seeing you in this video and like, yo, dude, I saw you in your chonies getting all sprayed with lube. What's, what's that all about? <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't sure. Um, to answer that question, I used to teach English a few years ago, and I was teaching this class of kids. And one of the mothers said, hey, I saw your music video. And I didn't know what she meant. So I asked her, was I wearing clothes? And she said, not really. And I realized at that point, it didn't really narrow it down at all. Because (laughs) you and I, Bob, you know, we had our band here in Japan. And all of the concert footage of that, we were completely naked at some point in the show. And our band before that, we played in our whitey tighties <laughs> all the time. And I realized that, like, no matter what video it was, like, even the we're showing our butts to the camera and stuff. So it doesn't matter what video mentioned. I was always, you know, somewhat naked. I might, I might have to bleep, bleep some of these references so the stalkers don't find, find all these videos after this episode's there. <laughs> <laughs> Alternately, uh, did you ever try to get like additional music video work with uh, any stills from that video? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I put that as my headshot for when I go around looking for jobs. Yeah, it's funny. I thought maybe that people might I don't know like notice it at least or something, but no, nah, never came up. So far, so far, yeah, so far. Maybe one day I'll be really famous, and that'll be on my grave. <laughs> he appeared in a leather bikini in this one music video <laughs> it'll just be like a video screen on your tombstone playing <laughs> your segment of the video 
Yeah. By the time yeah, by the time you die, it'll be a hologram of you from the video <laughs> dancing on it. Can't wait. And you actually don't get buried. You have to keep working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, electrodes in the dead body just kind of keep you uh, keep you working for a while. Yeah, they just know there's no soul living in there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Dante's Inferno 2020. <laughs> I wanted to mention one more uh, little Easter egg from the video. Mm, yum. At the end of the video, Mirai, you know, in his post-orgasmic haze, steps out from the little booth in the uh, manga cafe goes to look for some manga and he's standing next to this cute girl and they both reach for the same Hanayori Dango manga up on the shelf. And the girl who is uh, there is the same actress from the Dote So Young video. She was kind of the, the crush, the classroom crush in that video. Okay. And they brought her back for this video. Oh, okay. Hmm. Masaike Shizuka, that's her name. I looked her up. She's not in anything else. I don't know what the deal was with her. <laughs> Easy to work with. <laughs> I do remember... Consummate professional. I do remember meeting her at the set. That was one of the few people that we actually said hi to. Yeah, that's all. I just met her and that was the end of it. Fan favorite, though, I'm sure. I didn't know that a, a manga cafe was something until this conversation. I thought they were in a library in that video. <laughs> yeah, so they're essentially like... Um, a super souped up version of what internet cafes used to be. So you pay like an hourly rate and you can sit and read as many comic books as you want. But they also have these rooms that you can rent and they have a computer and you can use it for whatever you know, want. People you know. often sleep in those rooms. You can rent them overnight and sleep in a recliner chair for seven, eight hours. Yeah. Do people uh, often use those rooms to come as in this video? I don't know about that. But I do know that there are people who live in them. Like that became a symbol of how dystopian modern life in Japan has become. Because there's a lot of these people that are called like manga cafe refugees. Oh. And they basically live there because you can take showers. You know, some of them have shower rooms and they'll give you like a, you know, a fixed rate if you pay by the month. So there's people who basically live in them. In these, like, cubicles, yeah. That's wild. Those people must be coming. <laughs> it's crazy how fucking life is now, huh? Yeah. Yep. Get that person a home. There's enough money. It's not real. Yeah. Just get them somewhere. Yeah. Uh. yeah. It's probably like 20 bucks a night. Maybe the price has gone up. I haven't been in one in 10 years, but what does that translate to for a month? 600 yeah, It's about the same as an apartment in Japan. Yeah, but it's cheaper. That's what I'm saying, like... They'll give you a bulk discount if you stay there. Five ninety nine. You don't pay by the hour at that point anymore. Like you pay like a day rate. I've definitely stayed in them as a hotel. Yeah, me, me too. Is that still the case? Is there room to like stretch out? Like, can you? Yeah. What? How do you sleep? So they have. I, I'm, some. I'm picturing a room that's the size of a chair, <laughs> and you can't go anywhere. And I'm like, that is fucked. Yeah, they have some that are, you know, like they're long enough to lay down in. But you can't really move from side to side. So they're basically big enough just to like lay down and sleep and that's it. And those places know that they're getting business from those type of people. So they'll serve like a really basic breakfast, you know, uh, maybe some dinner, you know, because it's, it's like super cheap. It's really sad and bleak, actually, kind of. Yeah. As a traveler, it's a pretty clutch place to stay if uh, if you don't have anywhere else to stay. But having to live there all the time would definitely be really just really, really depressing. Well, and also to keep people from coming or doing any kind of shenanigans, 
there's no top and the bottom is kind of like a public bathroom no stall. privacy so there's no privacy yeah and the lights are on all night so if you do want to sleep and you don't have an eye mask you know it's really miserable cuz it's really bright that stinks you know our our, our talk about this uh this internet cafe went from happy to dark, just like the song lyrics did. <laughs> well, let me let me cheer up everybody for a minute. And I don't mind this story being on the record. So one of our friends, who I won't name because I don't have his permission, came out to visit here. And so we went up to Tokyo and we were kind of hanging out there. And we saw this VR brothel, an advertisement for like a VR brothel. And I was like, what is this? This looks amazing. We have to go. So we popped in there. And literally, you go up to the counter, and the guy gives you a set of VR goggles and like a cheap fleshlight. And (laughs) then you go into the back, and it's like a revamped sort of manga cafe. So there's all these little booths, and they're just big enough to lay down in with a video screen. Well, no screen, but a place to plug in your... Your goggles, you know. So. Reusing a flat, uh, reusing someone else's flashlight. No, sucks. I don't think it. <laughs> they're new. I don't think that you're... you think you think they yeah. make one. They throw them away every time. One, no one time use. way. <laughs> there's no way. There's not such a thing as a disposable flashlight, is there? Well, these are individually packaged. Yeah, they're like, like the inserts are. I don't know much about the flashlight, but they're basically really cheap little, okay. you know, silicone things. So they are disposable. They're disposable, yeah. So Okay. Okay. (laughs) You know that like here in Japan there's like English weird English phrases all over the place on t shirts and posters and stuff like that. So when we left the place, the guy who was with me, he shows me a picture on his phone and he's like, Man, I felt so weird and dirty afterwards. Look at look at the message on the garbage can. And he shows me this picture on his phone and it says would you like to review what your life should be? <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> of all the places to put that. Well. Yeah. So that's the... Is it about time? Catch you at a low moment. That'll be the... Uh, Damn. The show art for this episode. Fuck. <laughs> 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 well, Jeff, Jeff, I got a question for you. I um, All right. I, I, I transliterated the lyrics of I don't want to die yeah. for you when you were Thank when you. you were first recording it. And then I've been morbidly curious. Like two years ago, I helped you figure out some Japanese words for a song you were doing yeah. for Craig of the Creek. Did that song ever yeah. air? Yeah. It's an episode called Memories of Bobby. We really don't have any memories of Bobby. He's gone. And we never really got to know him or spend any time with him. <laughs> I wish we could go back in the past so we could hang out with him and make some real memories. Come on, JP. You're gonna make Mortimer cry. And I'm just always watching, now I'm watching more cartoons and watching more anime just to see, like, when does music get used? Uh, Because I don't know how to do my job. Uh, And I was watching FLCL and I thought it was really funny the way that, like, they're, or not funny, just I don't. I thought it would be a, a cool thing to dive into every now and then. That there's just a song with lyrics in the background of a scene with dialogue. Uh, so I made that little heartfelt song about uh, Bobby, who is always losing his candy, 
Uh, and he moves away, and that's Candy Boy has Candy Boy is gone. He's not coming yeah. back. Candy Boy Kietanda. That's 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 the Japanese phrase. Can, I candy Candy Boy Gakaitanda. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but it's in there, man. If if you watch episode Memories of Bobby, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll I I could pop on and send it to this crew. Yeah, I thought Candy Boy might have been a character. I was tr- always googling that; it never came up. Now I know. Thank you. No, no, no. His <laughs> name is Bobby. I I just thought that that would be a funny, a funny way. To, I don't know. The show is not in his perspective. Like he is a side character, hundred percent. So I was imagining the show of Candy Boy. Well, cool. I think we I think we covered a good amount of this song, huh? Yeah. Hey, the most I've ever covered. I think we've had uh, some really uh, off-putting anecdotes in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, seems appropriate. This episode has taught me to uh, review what my life yeah. should be. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Thanks, everyone, for listening to uh, the, I, the I Don't Want to Die episode of Dog People. Uh, I think we're only going to keep revealing more terrible anecdotes if we, uh, if we yeah. keep talking. So thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Peace. See ya. Bye. Later. Thanks for listening to Dog People. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at dogpeople666, where we'll be posting supplemental photos and such for each episode. If you like what we're doing here, help us spread the word by sharing the show with a friend or two. Also, check out Adam's other podcast, Searching for Grog, wherein three brothers try to reconstruct their childhood memories of a road trip involving sledding accidents, freak hailstorms, confessions of love, and an arcade game about cavemen playing golf. Shout out to some of our other favorite music podcasts out there. Better yet, a long-form interview podcast covering the best artists from the extended DIY punk community. Unscripted Moments, a podcast about propaganda, and As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, both of which inspired us to do something similar, and the In Defense of Ska podcast by our old friend Aaron Carnes. 